This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Dee Simon. I'm your other host, Richard McBeef. Rich- I mean, Lance Wackerly. Richard McBeef. Wackerly, is that that uh, VTech killer's, uh, one of his plays? That's one of his fine, fine plays, Richard McBeef. I, I know he had two plays, and I, w- I was searching for them online, and uh, I-, I couldn't find them. Did you actually come across any of them? Yes, I did. Did Can't you read it? I read it. No, I'm a very lazy, man. Well, well, didn't it have something to do with like some kind of child molester, got killed by the kid that he molested yeah, or something? Yeah, it's all about a kid who accuses his dad of child molestation and uh, some something else. I don't know, being a uh, hypocrite or something like that. Well, as you can imagine, the uh, number one, numero uno topic here for Sick and Wrong has to be... I mean, Virginia Tech killer. I mean, the VTech killer. You, you know what's funny about this? Every podcast, every news organization has to chime in on this story because it's just so huge. It's so profound, just what happened there. And interesting for us is we record the show Sunday. And I, th- I think we recorded Sunday, posted it Monday. And then the next day, a huge American tragedy happens. We missed the news cycle, is what happened. We, we missed the news cycle by at least a week. And we're not about to do a special edition or anything. Well, that's the thing. It's like everybody, by this point, in the, you know, the, the way the tragedy's already played out, everyone knows the guy's name. Everyone's heard the video of his manifesto. Everyone's heard, you know, the, the, the description of what happened and, you know, the dismay that everyone had that CNN was and NBC were displaying all those videos. So... By this point, you know, it's, we have kind of a dearth of subject matter to talk about, about the VTech massacre. We're so we, scraping the bottom of the barrel here. So, so we have to, but what I'm saying is we can't ignore this because it's such a sick and wrong tragedy. So we have to take our own, we have to make our own spin on the VTech tragedy. Don't you agree? We just have to dig something up <laughs> out of the bottom of the barrel, as I said before. Well, as, as I said, though, we can't ignore it. So what I wanted to do is... I don't want to mock, ridicule, or disparage what happened in any way. It's a tragedy, and a, a tragic event happened that's going to affect families' lives forever. That's what, true. What I do want to mock and ridicule are those two douchebags that were interviewed on Anderson Cooper's show 360 that were his uh, former roommates. Yeah, I, his roommate. The yeah, it was guy. the uh, Asian guy, Cho, Cho Sung Wee or whatever. What's his name? Ho Chi Minh? Yeah, something like that. Cho Sung Wee, the, the killer, the rampager. But what were his roommates' names? Uh, well, the, the guy's name is, they are two guys, John and Andy. They refused to use their last names. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, um, seen the actual interview. It was like four parts. It was done on a CNN, not by Anderson Cooper. It was done by a guy named Gary Tuckman, just one of the reporters. I find it funny that they won't use their last names, but their faces are plastered across the interview. They're like in a bright room. If you, if you don't want your last name used, you should also have your, na- your face blanked out. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, and, uh, too. You know, the, the weird voice modulation they put on you so you sound like, you know... Ving Rhames or something. Yeah, and your face is just kind of blacked out. Yeah, they didn't think it through very well, I don't think. I don't think they really wanted to remain anonymous. I think they kind of wanted to get a little glory here. I mean, would you love an opportunity like that to be... If Let's say your roommate in college freaked out, massacred a bunch of people, you weren't injured. Wouldn't you like to chime in, give your two cents, be interviewed, get a little bit of the spotlight for yourself? I have to think it'd be a pretty good time, you know, aside from maybe all of your friends being dead. (laughs) 
They, these two jokers seem like they're having the time of their lives. That well, one guy can't keep that smirk off his face. Well, there's a blonde guy and there's a guy who has like brown hair. But the guy with brown hair is just smirking the entire time. There's just like this shit-eating grin on his face. The other guy seems to be a bit serious. because he's one of those college douchebags who never takes his fucking baseball hat off. But they look like two frat boys, don't they? I don't think they're cool enough to be inducted into a frat, to tell you the truth. But dude, you know, if it was me and I was that kid's roommate... I think I would have been shot a long time ago. But if it was me and I was his roommate and I managed to survive the massacre and I was interviewed, I would have had so much fun. I mean, this would have been a creative outlet for me to shine. I, you know, I would have been like, yeah, I remember on several occasions waking up in the middle of the night and Joe's uh, balls were balanced ever so precariously on the bridge of my nose, like forming almost goggles. I would say Arabian goggles. And I was like, Cho, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? Well, Mr. D, I would think that would be the Korean goggles. Have had you uh, experienced that multiple times, but or dude, was that just once? What I'm saying is these two guys who did this interview did not have fun with it as they should. I think the one guy was grinning just because it's kind of a funny circumstance, but I don't think he was actually, you know, having a good time making a show of it. So you don't think he was stoned? He might have been on uh, the magic mushroom. <laughs> Or two. He might have taken a couple caps of some mushrooms. He's a college boy. Probably listened to some Pink Floyd beforehand. Well, anyway, we we have some audio of uh, the interview that was done on uh, Anderson Cooper's show. And we're going to have to play some of it here because I think a lot of it is uh, noteworthy and definitely merits comment from uh, us here at Sick and Wrong. Plus, who the fuck listens to Anderson or watches Anderson Cooper 360? No, nobody heard it there, so they got to hear it somewhere. But if you want the full interview, go on to like, YouTube or Google videos and type in Cho's roommates, and you got to watch it because these guys are so funny to watch because the one dude's smirking the whole time. But l- l- let's play this here, Wackerly. Yeah, this will give you a sense of it. And when you first moved in, you saw this guy, friendly enough, right, quiet. I mean, everyone wants a quiet roommate, right? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't friendly by any means. He was just quiet. Was he mean? No. He, sometimes I guess you would say rude, the way you would try to carry a conversation with him, and you couldn't get any feedback from him, like talking to a brick wall. So when did you start noticing and... I'm not getting any feedback from you, Cho. What's up with that, man? <laughs> Wait, well, you know, dude. I mean, could you imagine when you when you're in a when you're in a college dorm situation? You have your roommate that you go in there blind. You don't know the guy, and you're sitting there like, so, oh, hey, what's up, man? Where'd you go to high school? Do you like Pearl Jam? And it's like the dude's just looking at him like, I'm not talking to you, you white boy douche. Yeah, get that fucking grin off your face when you look at me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I would be like, okay, whatever. But I, I love the fact that he's just like, yeah, he's quiet. Was he mean? Was he mean? Was he mean? Well, yeah, he used to, like, uh, I don't know, bite my nipples. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think the guy was going to say? I think when you move into the dorms, first of all, the problem is everybody moving into the dorms, the only place you've, they've ever lived is in their parents' house. So you have no, like, roommate skills or sharing an apartment, let alone a little tiny dorm room skills. Yeah, but wouldn't you be a little pissed if you're, like, a party guy, you move into the dorms, you just get some dork, quiet, weirdo Chinese roommate? Well, what I because he asked him if he was nice or if he was mean. You don't want either of those extremes. You want the you just want right down the middle. Just dude, just be normal. Don't be freaky. Don't be too friendly. Don't be too freaky. Don't fucking shoot up the school. But don't fuck with my shit. Leave yeah, me leave exactly. me alone. It sounds like just that's what this guy key. did. Yeah, exactly. Andy, that perhaps it was a little more than just being a shy, nice guy. Um, we. 
tried to hang out with him at first, took him, introduced him to our friends and stuff, and weeks of this, and he never opened up, um, just never talked to us, and went about him his day by himself, never saw anyone come visit him. I mean, did you ever have, sit down and have a conversation with him? I never love this part. a couple words, other than the one time when we went out to a party and he opened up and said he had an imaginary girlfriend. He told you he had an imaginary girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> First of all, you don't tell somebody you have an imaginary girlfriend. You tell them you have a girlfriend. Yeah, and she lives out of state. Um, we had been drinking, so I guess he had just decided to open up. So he had a few beers and he opened up. And what did he say about an imaginary girlfriend? Um, he called her well, was jelly. jelly and she called him Spanky. Spanky and Jelly? Yep. And that was that. And what did he say about this imaginary girlfriend? She was a supermodel, I think. Yeah. See, now that's my favorite part of it. He's like, so what did she say about the, what did he say about the imaginary girlfriend? Oh, well, she was this big, fat, dumpy chick. (laughs) You know, of course he's going to say she's a supermodel. Her name is Jelly, if that gives you any (laughs) idea of her diet. See, what what I find interesting about this, if you had this guy that you never spoke to, he never spoke, he always kind of a loner, he's your roommate, you think he's a serial killer, you take him out, you go out drinking, and the first thing he says is like, so, I have an imaginary girlfriend. You know, I can't even do the guy's voice. Can you do the voice, Wackerly? Because everyone's heard the rants on the video. I know, I feel a little ashamed doing this, but I think it's more like, So I have an imaginary girlfriend. <laughs> Her name is Jelly. She's a supermodel. There's a hundred billion... Really, a supermodel, huh? Yeah, super. Not just a model, she's a supermodel. There's a hundred billion reasons why she wants me to fuck her. That's just kind of your standard tarred voice, by the way. It is, kind of. But the guy sounds a little retarded, doesn't he? I think he might have a hearing problem or something. He has that, like, deaf speak going on. Yeah, that, that might be why he can't get laid and has an imaginary girlfriend. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, wouldn't that be a warning sign, though? Right off the bat. Says imaginary girlfriend, you look at him, I would start laughing. Well, that's the other thing that happens a lot in the dorms in general. Just lots of lies. <laughs> what, yeah, but- you, what you were like in high school, the biggest badass, and all these chicks wanted you. and None of that's true. No, but I mean, at least the guy, I mean, could say he has a real girlfriend that just lives out of state. I mean, wouldn't you be like, if, if he said that, so, uh, do you wear a condom with her? <laughs> An imaginary condom? <laughs> yeah, that's just asking for you to just push for details. When you know somebody's lying about something like that. So just... do you ever have an imaginary menage a trois with her imaginary friend? Yes, um, she brought her friend over peanut butter, <laughs> and um, we, yeah, we made the sandwich. <laughs> All right, what does he say here? Yeah. Yeah. And were you guys amused by this? Or what? Or weirded out by it? More amused, you know, you think. Yeah. The guy's pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah, strange, strange guy. You say he started um, harassing women at school here, right? Yeah. Tell me about that, John. He, I walked back to my room one night, and there's a policeman in there. And apparently, what had happened was. Dude. <laughs> You go back to your dorm room and there's a policeman. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? That he just found my pot stash. Exactly. Where are my drugs? Fuck. I would just be like, uh, dude, what? Why are the police in my room right now? You know, it's kind of funny. It reminds me yeah. of when uh, I had my roommate my freshman year. I lived with this guy that was just like the epitome of dork. I don't even know. I don't even know his first name. And me and my other three of us in this one like converted what did you call double him room. When you had to talk to him. 
Ernest. I made up his name for him. I th- actually, not that I think about it, I think it was his middle name. I don't even remember his first name. I just called him Ernest. And I thought you told me he looked like uh, Ernest P. Worrell. No, he, yeah, Jim Varney. Right. He looked like Ernest from the Ernest movies. And is that was his middle name? Or? I think it was his middle name, and that's why we used to call him Ernest, and he hated it. He absolutely hated it. He hated both me and oh, my roommate. Surprising. But uh, within a month of us living there, he reported us to the RA of the dorm for smoking weed in our room. And so we almost got kicked out of the dorm room. So after that, his life was a living hell. I mean, it'd have to be. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm surprised he didn't shoot up the school. No, I consider myself lucky. Gonna, where he started talking to her online first. He found where she lived, started talking to her on AIM. Then he went over there. He was using the name Question Mark. Said, hey, I'm Question Mark. And that really freaked the girl out. So he was stalking her. Yeah. She seems a little thin-skinned if that nickname freaks her out. He found out everything about her first. And did this happen with any other girls, Andy? There were two other instances that we know of. One was one of our friends, um, he started following and bothering her, and another was down the hall. And what happened in those cases? The one down the hall, um, I got the girl's screen name and kind of told her, <coughs> I am her and told her, this guy, you know, he's messing around with you. Here's his name, and you shouldn't kind of ignore him and just stay away from him. And then the other time, the cops responded again, and uh, Sung became upset about that, and he had told me that he uh, might as well kill himself. And so, dude, all right, that guy right there is a total cock blocker. Sounds like it to me. But plus, isn't he just sort of stalking the girl now too? <laughs> You know, but you know what? That dude is a classic opportunist. He's moving in here thinking, okay, here's a girl in peril. I'm going to make, you know, exaggerate the situation. She's going to think I saved him. Now I'm going to get some ass. He's a total cock blocker. Yeah, I would have killed him first. Wouldn't you, if you were Cho, wouldn't you have killed him first? I, I mean, at least, I would at least try to stop the cock blocking right when I found out it was happening. Yeah, but think about it, okay? Cho spent hours and hours, countless hours, trying to stalk this girl, find out intimate details of her life, her information, and then all of a sudden, cunt over here comes over and cock blocks it. All, stalk yeah, blocks. Yeah, all Cho's work was for naught. I know. At I that would, point. Dude, that guy, seriously, he would have got a bullet, for sure. You were telling me about one of the girls whose door he went to when he talked to her. Tell me about that and what he said. But this is great. But he said that he walked in and what he told me one night which was really strange because he never talked to me he never got up and closed the door himself and he never turned off the lights when he was going to bed so it was really strange when he closed the door and he turned to me and he said hey you want to know why i went up to that girl's dorm room the other night and i said sure why he said that he wanted to go up there and look her in the eyes to see how cool she was because that's the only way you could tell how cool she was by looking her in the eyes and when he looked in her eyes he saw that he saw promiscuity and when he said that to you, what did you say to him? I said, I just shrugged my shoulders. I didn't know what to say. It really shocked me. <laughs> I looked her in the eyes and I saw promiscuity. I, I love the way the guy pronounces promiscuity. Promiscuity. Hey, she's all promiscuity. It excited me to hear about that girl's promiscuity. <laughs> what, what cracks me up about that is like the guy didn't know what to say. It's like, dude. She's a co-ed slut. This is college. Of course he sell promiscuity. What'd you think? Yeah, what What else? I mean, that's what girls do in, in the dorms, right? Dude, go, go to South Padre Island or Daytona Beach for spring break. What are you going to see there? You would have had a lot, like a lot of girls in the eye. Now, that would be a hell of a place for a massacre, though, wouldn't it? 
Yeah. I call that population control. Doing the world a favor. Man, why do you get, why do you got to interrupt the, the college kids' party time like that? Yeah, that I, I, I guess it would be kind of a buzzkill. But seriously, though, I mean, the guy from Girls Gone Wild, he saw the same thing, and he profited off of it. So how do you think that scene went down? He goes up to this girl's room, knocks on the door. She's she like, comes Hello. out, she's like... No, I don't think it was a friendly <laughs> hello. I think it was more like, uh, hey, who are you? Scary-looking Asian guy that's you, stalking me. Do you think he just stared into our eyes for like a minute, full minute, without saying anything? Hey, I'm question mark. How you doing? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> you look a little promiscuous. Bye. It's just like, I love how that's how he sizes up a woman. Looks her in the eyes for about, what, five minutes, and then is like... You whore! <laughs> yeah, no, the other thing I, I wonder is, he went up there to find out how cool she was. He said he saw promiscuity in her eyes, so so pretty cool then, right? <laughs> Dude, if it was me... She, was pretty, she seems promiscuous, and that's pretty cool. Dude, if it was me, I'd be like, sweet, I have a six-pack of Bud, let's hang out. Shocked me to hear that come out of his mouth. I mean, did you ever see him with a girl? No. It's because he's imaginary. He said he had an imaginary girlfriend, but you never saw him with a real girlfriend. He was never with anyone. A uh, professor, uh, another guy, girl. So you lived with this guy one year, and you never saw him with another person other than your roommates. Right. Did you ever break bread with him? <laughs> what the hell kind of question is that? I think he's a rabbi or something. Did you ever break bread? Did you ever uh, have a bowl of rice? Well, I used to cut cheese with him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Bake some brownies a couple times, but that's about it. Anderson. <laughs> That's not Anderson. I told you before. Oh yeah, Gary. This is Anderson's uh, sub lieutenant doing the interview. Yeah, we just we just cut cheese, Gary. Anderson's big time, dude. He doesn't have time to go talk to these college fucks <laughs> in their goddamn dorm. You were saying when you went to bed, he left the lights on. When he went to bed, he left the lights on. Dude, this part's just uh, Most of the times, I'd be you know doing homework late, and he would just you know he would go change. He would just climb up to his bed. He'd leave the door wide open and the lights on. And we had lofted beds, too, so the light was right next to his head. And he'd leave the light on all night? As long as I was in there. I would turn it off. I, I felt bad. I knew that I have to have the light off to get to sleep. But at first when he did that, I would say, Sung, if you ever want to go to sleep, just say it, and you can turn the light off or whatever. I'll turn my lamp on. Or, you know, if you want the door shut, that's fine, too. If you want a fan on or off, I don't care. And he would say, okay. And then he would just do the same thing over again. All right, dude. I, I don't even understand this. They, they lived in – they had lofted beds near the ceiling, so the light would have been right on the yeah, guy's wait, face. Though. I mean not all of our listeners are of age who have been in college and living in the dorms. And a lot or, of them I don't think will ever go to college. To college. <laughs> but, but what they're talking about is you've got this little tiny dorm room, and you're trying to like live with, what, two or three people in that room? So you – to maintain space to, like, have your computer and your TV and all that shit in the fridge, you, like, put the bed up on, like, six-foot stilts. So, basically, you're sleeping right next to the ceiling. And what he's saying is this guy would go to bed with the big, giant fluorescent light, like, six inches from his face, just on. And he would leave the door open. Yeah. And so then the dude would be like, well, I'd shut the light off, and then he'd just do it again the next day. Right. I, I, don't, I don't even understand Well, he's got to leave the door open in case any promiscuous ladies walk by. Did you ever have one of those lofted... I can never sleep with a promiscuous woman walking by my room. <laughs> Did you ever have one of those lofted beds? Oh, yeah, yeah. You ever try to mate with a woman up on one of those lofted beds? You're about, like, what, 
two feet from the ceiling. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's just one of the most uncomfortable things. I don't even understand why you'd even have that in college. The easiest time to get laid, it's just like, I don't want to sleep in a loft bed. Yeah, it's it's poor, poor planning. Yeah. All right. Let's just wrap this up here. But there's one part that's great that's coming up here about the guy uh, making the prank phone calls. I think it's coming up next. What is, Andy, the, the strangest thing you remember him doing now that you look back at it? I guess it was uh, his shooting up the school. Uh, um, <laughs> called it question mark, and um, he told me that that was uh, his brother, and he had gotten my cell phone number from when we used to invite him to dinner and stuff. So um, he called me on a couple instances, talking and saying he was question mark, and I remember one night I finally just got completely tired of it. And I'm like, sawing the axe up, you know, you need to stop this. And he's like, this isn't sawing, this is question mark, being real and insisting on that. So um, I knew he had to be in Cochrane. I went through all the lounges in Cochrane, and not that many, but I finally found him on the, uh, I think it was the Cochrane, the residence hall. Yeah. I found him on the third floor in one of the study lounges. Did that. Now that is pretty funny. You know this Yeah, dude, that seems like a pretty good joke. <laughs> I, I think that sounds like a great... You know Cho was probably just like, I hate this guy. He's a fucking cock blocker. So I'm going to call him up and pretend to be my brother, question mark, and call him out on his shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... The, and the, just mock him. The other, thing I, the other thing I remember about living in the dorms is you're just bored out of your mind all the time because you don't have any money. You can't go to the bars because you're probably not 21 yet. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one dude that's like 24, though, living yeah. in the dorms. Yeah, and he's buying, he's buying beer, beer for, for everybody you. in the dorm. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, weird guy. but you got to make your own fun if you're not 21 yet. And yep. uh, this seems like something that would be amusing for a couple of weeks. But the mental image of that dude just like up in some lounge in the dorm room, right. just like in the dark, yeah. just sitting there calling this guy repeatedly his sweet mate. Yeah, hey, what's up? What's going on? What's this, up, Joe? This, this isn't Joe. This is <laughs> que- question mark. This is question mark. What are you doing? What are you wearing? <laughs> so the, you the, ever the, touch another man's rhubarb? <laughs> the final part here is he's talking about that song that Cho just kept playing endlessly. So here, wait, I think this is the last little bit. Pretty much there was no other incidents after that. He would kept to himself a lot more after that. Did he like music, for example? Yeah, he did. He listened to uh, a lot of rock, a lot of uh, Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, Shine Down, Collective Soul. You were saying that there was one song you could keep playing over and over. What was that? It was Shine Down by Collective Soul. And was there any reason he would just keep playing it over and over and over again? And was this on an iPod or on stereo speakers? It was on his laptop. His laptop, and you guys heard it. I heard it. It would wake me up in the morning sometimes. Like what, did, what did you say to him? Dude, now that just cracks me up. That song, I don't know how many people out there remember the song. We're going to play it at the end of the podcast. That song repeatedly played in my dorm room every day, all day, would drive me to kill. I call bullshit. You call, but you don't think the guy really listened to the song? <laughs> Not on your comment, but... Who Collective Soul? That band's from that's bands from five years ago, and they weren't popular among college kids when they were, when they were out. I mean, what? It makes no sense. I yeah, think but they were probably. Really... I think this is their little pact, these two roommates, to be like, all right, we can't really fuck around because it's a big tragedy. We're gonna be on TV. Our parents are gonna be watching, but we gotta we gotta make up something just to like have a personal joke. And I think 
It's not a very good one, but I think yeah. this is their personal joke, but, is to say that he listened to this horrible, horrible song by Collective Soul. But dude, don't you think if you're making a personal joke, you'd come up with someone better like, oh god, B-52s endlessly, or uh, he really loved Morrissey. I just sense falsity here. <laughs> I don't know, but you know another point that I want to make about this? If that kid, Cho, listened to Slayer Spill the Blood over and over and over again, or Marilyn Manson, I bet you all the people out there, all the pundits, all the conservative critics would be on that guy and on Marilyn Manson saying how that music led him to uh, kill. Right, but you don't hear Collective Soul getting any flack. But they should because that music is satanic, and I know that's what drove him to kill. If you play it backwards, it says, buy a new album. <laughs> this one's <laughs> shitty and old. If you don't buy the album soon, go get two Glocks and go shoot up your school. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well, I, I think that's about all we have for that uh, that interview. But yeah, dude, I mean, I think those two guys missed a prime opportunity, a prime opportunity to uh, fuck with CNN. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate that they, they they didn't take more advantage of the situation. Um, not that this is a funny comment or anything, but it's just something in the back of my mind. Do you think, I mean, do you think they're going to try and write a book or do a TV miniseries, you know, author or something? On Cho? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a golden ticket, wouldn't you say? Well, do you see his, uh, the interviews with his family? Like, they're finally speaking. They're like, you know, we, we were shocked. We had no idea he was capable of such violence. Yada, yada. What, I mean, they, re- they read that from the My Son Killed Somebody script that every parent ever says, you know? I, I don't know. If that was my sibling, I'd be like, yeah, he was a weirdo. You know, I, I, if... Well, I, you would know. <laughs> I, called him on, I called him being a psycho killer back in, like, ninth grade, so I'm yeah. surprised it took that long. But, you know, you know what I think it all boils down to? Sexual frustration. This guy had no chance to get laid, oh, and I think it just case. built up. Yeah, dude, it built up in time. It's just like a dorky Asian kid in college surrounded by a bunch of, like, promiscuous chicks. The guy's not getting any ass, and look what happens. Here's my final word, though. Two points. The guy's an idiot. Number one. Why would you say that? I'll tell you why, Cho, <laughs> you fucking dumbass. He had all these guns. He must have spent at least a couple grand on these guns. Hello? Hooker? Call girl, even. You could, you could get a good-priced call girl and a hotel room for that. And, you know, he'd be the most relaxed kid ever after that. You, you got a good point. The time he spent stalking all these girls and, uh, yeah, the money he must have spent on munitions, he could have went out and probably got a nice high-priced hooker. Not even high-priced, like a $1,000 hooker. Here's my other point, my last point. The, the video confession of the manifesto... I call bullshit on that, too, because if you have a manifesto and you purportedly are doing this for some reason and then you kill yourself, you're a pussy. Yeah, but you know what, though, dude? One other thing about that video, his reasons were so obscure. They were so vague. First of all, the guy has a speech impediment, so you can barely understand him. Second of all, what are you talking he, about? he didn't have any clear objectives. He should have just made whatever. They could have even been completely outlandish. He could have made some objective, and it would have been all over the news. The guy, I mean, I really don't think that guy took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, well, but I think in his mind, he thought he was making a statement. And if you're going to make a statement, then, you know, get convicted get up on the stand make some more crazy statements you know, uh i.e timothy mcveigh that's how you do it you go yeah. down spouting your crazy fucking anti-government rant the whole way you don't if you don't have a statement if you just want to go on a shooting spree and kill yourself and just go out in a blaze of glory that's one thing but if you're gonna make some statement that we all have to fucking watch 
then you need to like it might hold as well your be ground pointing. Yeah. and not kill yourself at the end and be up on the stand in the court and saying that same crazy shit if you're going to get any respect from me. No, he ended up just committing suicide. So I think he deserves zero respect, personally. Yes, no respect for this guy. And I, I don't have much respect for those two roommates either. But they were, it was interesting that they uh, they actually did that. Well, anyway, let's uh, move on here with the show. This is uh, Sick and Wrong, the podcast. And uh, I want to wrap up episode 66 from uh, last week. Um, if you recall, Wackerly, you did a story about uh, chorizo on fire, that sausage on fire that uh, lit some woman on fire. Yes, I was quite fond of that story, and I don't think it got the response that it deserved. No, actually it didn't. I uh, did the story about the stabby abortion, and a listener sent in a story about a sloppy C-section. And uh, yeah, I came in the victor with about 82 votes. You came in with about 33 uh, and the mm. listener came in with a strong 52. Not a lot of fans of chorizo out there. Yeah, I don't think so. But I bet Must you be a, a lot bunch of, of vegetarian pussies listening to this show. I think you might have had some Mexicans voting for you, maybe. People, you know the way Stick and Wrong works. Uh, Wackerly and I comb the internet for the most disturbing news items of the week. The uh, audience votes, and the winner gets a case of MGD. And, uh, yeah, we throw in a wild card with the listener submission, which we got a pretty formidable one this week. But I think I started off the show last time, Wackerly, so... Uh, uh, you've been bragging about this article all day, so why don't you just do it? Alrighty then. Um, I'm going for pure novelty this week. I haven't done this in a while. Who am I kidding? I do it all the time. <laughs> but uh, have you heard about this Amish uh Murderer? The peaceful Amishman? An Amish murderer? It almost sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah, I don't know if you recall, but like that Amish school was shot up six months ago. Yeah, but or not something. by an Amish man. No, no, shot up but, by a... but they made, you know, the news and everybody made uh, this huge point that, you know, the Amish are these peaceful... You know, anti-technology people. Fun-loving characters. Right. They're fun-loving. They just live in this, you know, prehistoric existence. Completely non-violent. They turn the other cheek. Right. But they keep saying, like, you know, they're these peaceful, just peaceful, non-violent people. Well, I hadn't heard of this, but this uh, the story's current, but there's a little bit of backstory, which is surprising to me that I haven't heard about this. Um, apparently, this guy, Edwig, Edward Gingrich, I guess is how you say it. He's 40. He's the first person... It's not a very Amish name. He's the first... I think it's pretty Amish. Amish. So it'd be like Jebediah or Abraham or something. Edward Gingrich. How about that? Does that sound more Amish? All right. If you say in an Amish voice, <laughs> it sounds a little more Amish. Well, he was the, he's the first Amishman to ever be uh, convicted of homicide. Ever? Yeah, ever. That's what they say. In the United States. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Are there Amish people outside of the States? That's a good question. I think in uh, Denmark, maybe that isn't they, they're like Pennsylvania that's Dutch. That's where they came from. Yeah, that's where they came from. Maybe there's some there too. But <laughs> I have, weird. I really have no this idea. Is, so this is kind of a record here. Well, let me start with a backstory, and this will just amaze you that you've never you never caught wind of this story. On March 18th, 1993, Mary and her three, age three, and her brother Danny, age five, stood by helplessly as their father beat their mother Katie, who was 29. So severely that her brain spilled out on the floor. Jesus. Afterwards... Now, he was Amish? 
Yeah, afterwards. He's probably using a rake. They're all Amish. You can't marry outside of Amishdom if you're Amish. God, I, I didn't know they were so angry. You gotta raise your kids Amish. You can't be like, well, the kids are just gonna be normals. Yeah, I think it's fictitious, this whole pretense that they're peaceful people. Well, listen to this. So a- after uh, Gingrich beat the brains out of his wife, uh, he undressed her and used a steak knife to make a seven-inch incision in her lower abdomen. He then reached his hand up inside her body cavity and removed her lungs, kidneys, stomach, liver, spleen, bladder, uterus, and heart. <laughs> right in front of the kids? See, this is what happens when you grow up, you know, you know, butchering your own calves for the dinner table and that yeah, sort of thing. Know, yeah, you know, you know how You to... know your way around a knife and, you know, <laughs> trying to gut some corpse. He stacked the organs in a pile next to her body and stuck the knife into the top of the pile. When he was finished, he threw his Bible into the fireplace and led the children outside where he was later arrested. Jesus, dude. So that sounds like the first homicide. I never heard of that. No, I never heard of it either. It's Amish lore. Well, during the spring, two years later, the juries of his, a jury of his peers found Gingrich guilty of involuntary manslaughter but mentally ill... He was sentenced to a minimum term of two and one half years and a maximum of five with credit for time served, which he probably had already served two years. He must have had Johnny Cochran as yeah. his attorney. <laughs> if, the, if the Amish beard doesn't fit, you must have quit. <laughs> the, Jewish, the, the, the Chewbacca defense here. <laughs> Gingrich was denied his first bid for parole, however, on March 19, 1998, at the age of 34, and having served his full sentence, he was released from the state correctional institution in Cambridge Spring, Pennsylvania. That's comforting. Following his release, Gingrich moved to Harmony Haven in Evart, Michigan. Wait for it. A community for troubled Amish people. (laughs) Now that's a documentary waiting to happen. You just took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) I would watch that five times, at least. I'd pay to go to the theater to see it at least three. He purportedly remained there until December of last year, but since then he sort of, you know, I guess it wasn't a, you know, secure secure type nut hatch where they, like, make sure you don't leave because he's just gone and nobody knows where it is. However, uh, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, Gingrich's 17-year-old daughter, Mary, she was three at the time of this uh, brutal, gruesome murder. Her, her mother's brutal murder. Yeah, and her aunt were traveling. All right, I'm going to have to go into Amish voice for this one. <laughs> His 17-year-old daughter, Mary, and her aunt were traveling down the old Frisbee Town Road in a horse and buggy when a black sedan passed them and pulled over the side of the road. That sounds like your Irish voice. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going out of uh, accent mode. When the buggy approached the vehicle, Gingrich and three of his relatives, they always stick together, those Amish. you got to watch out for yeah, them. They, they move in gangs. Well, anyways, Gingrich and three of his relatives jumped out and hijacked the buggy. After navigating the buggy to a nearby farm... This guy's G- a ne'er-do-well. Yeah, Gingrich and his accomplices locked Mary's aunt inside of a barn and took Mary with them in the black sedan, allegedly against her will. Uh, blah, 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 blah. They don't know where she is currently. Uh... It's not necessarily a crime because it is his child, and she's 17, so she's you know not of a legal age to be responsible he, for herself. He still kidnapped her though, didn't he? Well, you know that's up for debate. Uh, they brought in a psychiatrist on this uh, article here. I got this from uh, Court TV's Crime Library webpage, which is one of my favorites. 
Um, and the psychiatrist, she's probably just trying to make a buck here with this analysis, but uh, she says that this is a big problem because she thinks he's still crazy. Uh, Mary looks a little bit like her mother, and uh, the psychiatrist feels that you know a similar incident might occur because he might be having the same feelings where he feels that he's saving her from the evil world or some shit like that. He's know? getting that, typical, I want to cut her uterus out for Right, me. yeah, typical you know psychopath behavior for an Amish guy. Yeah, sounds like it. So uh, that's it. So so what happened here? They don't know what they don't know where the girl is. They don't know. Uh, you know, they're looking. Story they're here. looking for. Well, the 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 previous murder in 1993. See, I'm sneaking in an old story. It's what's happening. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. It's a very suspicious article you're using here, Wacker. They this, almost want to disqualify this it. This motherfucking thing is dated April 21, my dear friend. So okay, April 21st is when the abduction occurred when the abduct well when it was reported the the abduction occurred this past wednesday the wednesday before the 21st whatever that was the 18th so i guess that does fall in the parameters and i hold that uh something's gonna happen with this in the future in the so near it, future it might be a follow-up so if we're going to judge this on the sick and wrong scale do we judge the gruesome murder that happened <coughs> excuse me that do we judge the gruesome murder that happened in the past or do we judge the abduction that happened just a week ago. You know what? I'm going to have to be fair here. And I'm going to break some sick and wrong ground. I agree with you that we cannot judge this upon the previous crime. Because that's old news. That is old news. And here's where the ground is going to get broken. It's still a novel story. I'm still submitting it. But I think it has to be judged in the kidnapping alone. And I'm going to give this... A 4.1. <laughs> Just for the kidnapping? Well, you know what? I'm going to give it a 5 because it was an Amish dude abducting a girl out of a buggy. See, I want to give it a little higher. And the reason being is I'm not taking that gruesome murder into account, but I'm taking into account that the murder did happen. And he's the first Amish homicide. Isn't it the first Amish homicide? He's yeah, the first but that's, Amish the, murderer. that's the old story, though. Yeah, but he's still a murderer, and he still uh, committed the abduction. So I'm going to have to give it, just in terms of originality, an 8.2. But, uh, okay, but I'm going to submit that you should subtract at least half a point because he abducted her in a car, out of a buggy in a car. It would have been a better story if he would have abducted her out of her buggy buggy in another another buggy, buggy. like a souped-up buggy with, like, a really fast horse. Yeah, I think this guy should be excommunicated. Oh, I'm sure he will be. He needs to be. He needs to get an old-fashioned Amish shunning. I don't know though. The Amish keep, you know, they they deal with their own problems. They don't like to go to the outside world for that sort of thing. So maybe they'll keep it in the family. Well, we'll the six-figured, six-fingered family. <laughs> that incestuous family. The family tree is just a stump. Well, we'll have to see what the audience has to say about that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> That's borderline. All right, well, my uh, my article is current and uh, definitely falls within the sick and wrong parameters here. I don't know if you heard about the most recent jihadist video coming out of Afghanistan. Who Actually, can keep track of them nowadays? I mean, I don't know. Actually, it's coming out of Pakistan. But uh, the most recent jihadist video showed a 12-year-old boy savagely beheading a man. This happened in Pakistan. I don't even want to try to pronounce the name of the city because I can't. Does it end in Allahabad? 
<laughs> yeah, but it ends in hachanda hacha. Okay. I don't even know how to say that. So the boy with the knife looks barely 12 years old. In a high-pitched voice, because his balls haven't dropped yet, he denounces the bound, blindfolded man before him as an American spy. Then he hacks off the captain's head to cries of, God is great, and hoists the head in triumph by the hair. 12 years old, dude. Do you think that's a new record for the jihadists? Yeah. Maybe he'll run for be, to be like president of Iran someday or something. So a vi- <laughs> Yeah, he'll probably get elected. A video circulating in Pakistan records the grisly death of Ghulam Nabi, a Pakistani militant accused of betraying a top Taliban official who was killed in a December airstrike in Afghanistan. So I did a search for this video. I searched actually for about an hour today at work trying to see if I could find it. Couldn't find it. Yeah, surprisingly, they usually keep that stuff off the internet pretty well. Yeah, but don't you think they'd want to put it up on YouTube or some of the other videos, you know, some of the other sites? I think you have to go to the Pakistani version of YouTube. It could be. But, you know, when I do find this video, and if people out there do come across this video, definitely send it in to Sick and Wrong. We'll have to post it on the site. But I hope it has, I hope it's of, like, better quality than a lot of the videos they've had in the past. Have you ever noticed it's just like they have this like shitty camera that's probably like mounted on a camel and it's like shaky and you just see a bunch of guys wearing like sheets or whatever over their faces and they're like screaming in muffled Allah Akbar tones. You feel that the jihadi's AV equipment is lacking. Is, yeah, that's exactly. your point. Exactly. I, I just think with a few CG special effects, the beheading could be that much more, you know, evocative. Some background, you know, swirls or like crazy flash cuts or, or like sweeps. A, or a white zombie soundtrack instead of that like, ah, la, 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 you know, that like cunts, cunts, cunts music in the background. They don't white zombie is the music of the white devils. Oh, yeah. But did you, did you ever see that movie 300? And 300, when they were, like, in battle scenes, it was, like, this rocking, you know, we'd get you pumped up. So I think if they played something like White Zombie or some kind of, like, hard-driven guitar rock... It'd You'd be, be more likely to convert. Yeah, I'd be more into the beheading, that's all I'm saying. So um, the video apparently was, a, was obtained by AP Television News in a border city in uh, Pakistan near the Afghani border. It appears authentic and is unprecedented in jihadist propaganda because of the youth... Of the executioner. Captions mention Mullah Dadullah. It's the best Taliban name I've heard so far. It's pretty good. The Taliban's current top commander in southern Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Although he does not appear in the video, the uh, soundtrack features songs praising Taliban supreme leader Mullah Omar and Sheikh Osama, an apparent reference to Osama bin Laden. Of course. Who is suspected of hiding along the Afghani-Pakistan border. I bet you he's so proud. I, I'm sure he is. There's also an Elton John song that's uh, in the background that kind of sucks. I Liar! I, I threw that in, I threw that in. So the footage shows uh, Nabi, who's the victim here, making what is described as a confession, being blindfolded with a checkered scarf. He is an American spy. Those who do this kind of thing will get this kind of fate, says his baby face executioner, who is not identified. A continuous two-and-a-half-minute shot then shows the victim lying on his side on a patch of rubble-strewn ground. A man holds Nobby by his beard, while the boy, wearing a camouflage military jacket and oversized white sneakers, cuts into his throat. Other men and boys call out, Allah Akbar, God is great, as blood spurts from the wound. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the film overlaying the jihadi songs then shows the boy hacking and slashing at the man's neck until the head is completely severed, whereupon the boy hoists the head up by the hair, blood dripping down, and he's screaming, God is great. I'm sure their God loves that. But you know what's interesting about this? 
with in the Jewish faith, um, when when we have our coming of age, when we become thirteen, we have a bar mitzvah. Similar. Um, actually, no. It is. No, there's no <laughs> decapitations. Good. But what I'm what I'm saying is interesting that with these the the Taliban, the jihadists here, their coming of age is hacking off some dude's head. But don't you get to circumcise your own cock at your bar mitzvah? Isn't that how it goes? You got it all wrong. That happens at the bris, and we're like one and a half, and it's done by a moil. Mm. Is so, the yeah. moil twelve years old? No, no, the moil's like a doctor. I'm confused. <laughs> we're like I'm we're confused like, about these religions. We're we're like six months old or something. But no, and what I'm saying is like you know Christians have confirmation, jihadists decapitation. Hmm. Yeah, I th- I think that's why I I think that puts more hair on your balls if you ask me. I don't know. So anyway, they uh, go on to. AP News goes on to interview um, the uh, victim's father here. His name is Saki. He said his son had been a loyal Taliban member who fought in Afghanistan and sheltered the hardline Afghan group's leaders in the family's mud-walled compound. Oh, not in his (laughs) treehouse? He blames the Taliban and wants to avenge his son's death. This is a great quote here. He says, the Taliban are not Mujahideen. They are not fighting for the cause of Islam. If I got my hands on them, I would kill them and even tear their flesh with my own teeth. Wait a minute. Back up here. This is the father of the kid who cut the head off, or this is the father, father of, of the victim? The, the victim, sorry. Yeah. Who was beheaded. Yeah. And, and what I find sorry interesting about that reference about, to his treehouse. <laughs> what I find interesting about the, uh, the Arab, Arabic slurs here, if it was in the U.S., we'd be like, yeah, the Taliban's just a bunch of assholes. But it's great that the Arabs, you know, have, you know, just... So, such descriptive terms for what they would do to their victims. I know? agree, yes. They'd tear their flesh with my own teeth. So uh, the method of Nabi's death was not unusual for Pakistan's lawless tribal regions. What is unusual is the age of the uh, the child. The use yeah, I'd, of like the child. Hear, I'd like to hear a comment from the child's uh, parents. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I, I bet you know, you know I'm, I'm sure his father is beaming with pride. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just saw that movie Blood Diamond over the weekend. Have you seen that? No, I haven't, but I, I would like to cut into this podcast with something. I noticed that we're in your studio, of course, right? Yeah, this as, is the new Sick usual. and Wrong I, studio. I have noticed that you have a copy of The Piano. <laughs> Weak sauce, dude. Weak. Dude, that movie makes girls wet. I knew you were going to say that. I, I don't know if you know this, but if you play the movie The Piano for a girl, we rented the movie, we rented The, uh, the Piano in Blood Diamond. Played Blood Diamond for her. She was dry as a desert. You play the piano flowing like a river. Okay. Seriously, dude. You will get anal if you play a girl the piano. I will take that advice to heart. Well, try it out. Try it out. The Piano is a movie with uh, Harvey Keitel. I do have to say one thing about that movie that almost killed it for me. You get to see Harvey Keitel's dick. He he does that quite a bit. I don't know if you've seen Bad Lieutenant, but same thing. It's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely like a little vile. shriveled up, you know, chewed white Tootsie Roll. Yeah, it, it's absolutely vile. Almost killed it for me. But anyway, we we're, we're watching Blood Diamond, and that movie goes into how they train child soldiers in Africa. And so I totally re- recommend running it because you get to see it, and it's like particularly brutal what they do to brainwash these kids. And so I'm thinking the Taliban must do a very similar brainwashing technique. And uh, Sounds like it. So on the sick and wrong scale here, this kid was uh, 12 years old, already beheading a man. Yeah, I'm going to have to give that, and holding, hoisting the head triumphantly, I'm going to have to give this a 9. See, the thing about doing that at, at age 12, though, I think he peaked. Where is he going to go from here? 
Well, he's probably going to decapitate other people. Yeah, but it'll never be like the first time. <laughs> yeah, it probably won't be as special. I, I really think this kid is uh, bound to live a life of uh, chronic depression and just feeling like, you know, there's nowhere to go for him. There's nothing else for him to do to top his, uh, you know, 12-year-old uh, uh, feats. It could be. Well, what do you give the story here? 9.5. You're going to give it a 9.5? Yeah, how, that's how, pretty, come giving, how come you're being so generous here? It's pretty ridiculous, I have to say. You mean the fact that the kid's only 12? The kid's 12. He's he's engaging in these, you know, torture, uh, tor- well, it's barbaric not torture, acts. barbaric murder, uh, and I'm, I'm sticking with it, 9.5. Well, we'll have to see what the audience has to say about that. All right, well, the listener submission here from this week was sent in from uh, Tommy. Who uh, said, in light of all the VTEC massacre and all the stories surrounding that, he was surprised that no one found this little um, gem. And uh, you know what? To be honest, I never even saw this story. So um, thank you, Tommy, for sending this in. Relative, relatives ask, who put the acid on the slides in the playground? This happened in Baltimore, hmm. Maryland. Peyton Patochny knew exactly where the slides were behind Victory Villa Elementary School. Late Saturday morning, as he crossed a wooden footbridge onto school grounds, the Middle River boy, who turns three next month, left his grandmother's grasp and raced towards the cupola-covered jungle gym. Not even sure what that is. Family members said. Within minutes, the blonde-haired toddler was gliding down his beloved slide, and then he started screaming. The plastic slide had been coated with an industrial-strength drain cleaner containing sulfuric acid so caustic that it quickly burned through his clothes and began to peel away his skin. In that instant, the popular school playground became the, the scene of the most unlikely crime. Hazmat. Uh, definitely. You think something like this is never going to happen to your family, said his aunt. That's true. Who would do something like this? Why would anyone ever do something like this? Baltimore County Police said yesterday that the person or persons who did it could be charged with first-degree assault for injuries sustained by the boy and with burglary and vandalism for breaking into the school. I guess that's where they stole the uh, drain cleaner. What I want to say about this is, do you remember back in elementary school, did you ever slide down those covered slides? Yeah, I'm probably thinking of the same thing you are. Dude, I recall... Correctly, the reason why I didn't slide down those slides is because that's where kids would piss and shit. And when it, when I heard this, like you know, the kids gliding down his beloved slide, and he starts screaming. I thought he like slid right into a brown shark. Oh. Yeah, seriously, dude, that happens. I was thinking of something different. Uh, what were you thinking? That there's a pedophile waiting inside there? No, I was thinking of you know, you go to the your little kid, you go to the slide, and it's one of those metal slides, and it's it, and it's been sitting in the sun all day long, and you have your short pants on. Oh, and you and, burn your ass. Yeah, and that hurts like hell also, but, you know, it's nothing like industrial strength drain cleaner crawling up your sphincter. But I just remember that the, these covered slides, all the kids would be like, I wouldn't go in that, because that's where the kids would just pee. Mm. And then you'd, like, be going through a little water slide. I, I totally yeah, recall that. Yeah, wet and that. wild. Yeah, wet and wild. So uh, the kid um, ended up at John Hopkins Hospital, his legs wrapped in white bandages, and his pain dulled by medication. He's expected to undergo skin graft surgery today to treat third-degree burns on the backs of his thighs. So, yeah, this kid definitely has suffered needlessly, if you think about it. He's just a boy. He shouldn't have to hurt <laughs> like that on a slide. A school spokeswoman said, we're going to put down a new layer of wood chips. And the good news about what the, the weather is that, gonna solve? <laughs> is that all this rain will wash away any trace of the chemical. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. In uh, interviews, relatives recounted the horror of trying to hose off the searing liquid to no avail. I guess the kid's parents realized that he needed to be taken to the hospital after they were unable to ease his pain. He wasn't crying or whining, said his grandfather. He was screaming so hard you knew it was bad. So, I mean, this kid, like, you know, his skin on the back of his legs was just burned off. Who would do... I mean, for this is particularly malicious, even for a vandal. Well, I mean, you know who the number one suspect is, right? The, the janitor. <laughs> the janitor? Yeah. <laughs> that weird Scottish guy? I mean, I don't know what your elementary school is like, but my elementary school, janitor, surly, hated kids, not kind of retarded, <laughs> was kind of retarded. But you got to be a bastard to do something like this. I'm pretty sure that Mr. Yaskovich, which I think is what his name is, was kind of a bastard. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm the sick and wrong. This is like the same type of guy that would put pins in candy and give it to kids on Halloween. Yeah, same guy. So, on the sick and wrong scale, this kid completely didn't deserve this. Three-year-old toddler gets a skin burned off his back of his legs. I'm giving this a 9.5. Really? Hmm. I mean, he didn't die. So maybe, actually, I'll subtract 9.2. Yeah, I was going to go 9.3. 9.3? Not because he didn't die, but just because more kids... I, I would have think that like a bunch of kids would have... Made it down this slide before anybody would have figured out, put two and two together. But what would you rather slide into? Some kid's shit or some kid's acid? Some kid's acid? <laughs> no, I or mean, just some acid? It's just some acid. That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have to say, wait, a girl's poo? No, a boy's poo. Yeah, still, I'm going with poo. <laughs> okay, I, I guess we could see that. Well, let's see what the uh, audience has to say here. Go vote on one of these articles. You can decide who's going to win episode 67, sickandwrongpodcast.com. And uh, can I uh, just ask people to just remember how funny Amish people are in general before you vote? <laughs> nice plea. <laughs> nice plea. <laughs> Radio.com. All right, well, just to wrap up the show here, we're getting towards the end. Got a couple of emails of note that I want to mention here. Uh, one guy sent in an update. Uh, last week we were talking about um, a bunch of celebrities losing their virginity, namely Charles Manson, Iggy Pop, and uh, Kirk Douglas. Did you I, ever still post- question, I still question whether Charles Manson is a celebrity or not. I think he, I think he has celebrity infamous. status. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But did you ever post those uh, stories? No, I will, and and thanks for reminding me, and thanks for reminding the listeners to go and check it out this week, and I will post those stories tonight. So we'll get those up there. But anyway, um, this guy, uh, Chris, sent in this uh, update here. Turns out Charles lost his virginity to uh, Rosalie Jean Willis, who he married in 1955. Hmm. He also had a child, Charles Manson Jr. That was something that I asked during the podcast, whether he that. actually had a kid. Charles Mason Jr. was born the same year, 1955. I'm assuming the kid has changed his name since, you know, the occurrences of Charles Manson's life. Well, actually, he committed suicide in 1993, but I'm sure he probably would have. Maybe he would have changed his name, would have changed his life. After little Charlie was born, Charles Sr. was arrested, and his wife ran away with a truck driver. Charles Jr. then committed suicide in uh, 1993. Hmm. So thanks for that update there, uh, Chris. Uh, We also got an email here from uh, Gary who said he particularly enjoyed the um, story that we had about the automated shithouses in uh, San Francisco in episode 66. 
he uh, came in with his own anecdote here. He said a few years ago, they had automatic toilets in London. And his mates and I, uh, they were back in the army then. I guess in the English army, they used to pull out of hijinks. Uh, Boy. <laughs> they used to have a lot of great fun with those automatic uh, shithouses. Let's go have some fun with the lavatory, boys. With the loo. With the loo. So um, the automatic shithouses cost a few pence to use. And once your turn was over, the door would close behind you. The toilet would disappear into the floor. And water jets would disinfect the whole thing, ready for the next punter. I guess we uh, we didn't get into this, and maybe that's because I didn't know. But because we said that the to- the seat retracts and it gets sprayed off, but the b- water jets spray over the whole room. Apparently, yeah, I think the, the the same. That's a key point to this anecdote. But I think it's similar though in San Francisco. Doesn't right. water spray over the entire right. area? I just wasn't aware of that, but apparently that is the case. So the toilet disappears on the floor, and the whole area is clean with this disinfectant. Yeah, it's just the water. Spray Sprays everywhere, like a like an automated car wash. So uh, these crazy English hooligans here would wait until line formed, so that we knew that when one of us left the toilet, there would be someone waiting outside. Everyone loves a bargain, so when one of us left, we would hold the door open and say something like, "Quick, mate, duck in and save a few bob." Those cheap English bastards. The hapless toilet goer would enter. The door would close, and the rest you can imagine. Right. He just got soaked. I'm sure they have some sort of mechanism built in to prevent this now, but it was certainly worth a go. That's such a good prank. It needs its own name. I, I don't even know what you would call that. We, we should come up with something. Or the listeners could send something in, you know. Yeah. What, what would you call that prank? And, and I'm not so sure. This guy thinks that it's not no longer possible because he thinks there's maybe sensors inside that won't spray the water if somebody's in if there. But someone in there. But I'm not so sure about that. Dude, could you imagine? you got to piss really bad. You go in there, you just get totally sprayed with water. Yeah. Your whole day. You just got blanked. I, I don't know. But I would love to have a word for that. Yeah, I don't know, Mr. Tor. I don't, I don't know. I think of something. Thank you, Gary, for uh, sending in that enlightening story. Well, that about does it here for episode 67. Uh, make sure, if you haven't already, go vote for us at Podcast Alley. You can click on a link right on our website. And uh, as always, we're selling sick and wrong shirts. So if you don't have a shirt yet, be the coolest kid in your block and uh, order one. And uh, I believe that there will be a really sexy hot t-shirt model on the site uh this week a new a new t-shirt model if you go to the t-shirt page just oh, check yeah, it out yeah yeah we do have actually a pretty sexy photo of someone wearing our t-shirt so uh go check it out sickandwrongpodcast.com well uh we're gonna go out here with the uh favorite song of the v-tech massacre guy what the uh, hell? I can't even remember the name. Collective of the band. Soul. Oh yeah, Shine. Collective Soul. They were so I big it's back Shine then. Shine or something. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, this goes sure. out to okay. um to um. Oh, I don't want to do a song for Cho. Uh, to his roommates. How about that? Right. Mean, no, you know what? To Anderson Cooper for this, being this, such a sport. This song goes out to Anderson Cooper for exploiting the fuck out of this story for you know weeks and weeks and then probably weeks and weeks into the future. Collective Soul Shine goes out to you, Anderson. Until next week, take it sleazy. <laughs>